Good morning, evening, afternoon, <laughs> and good night, and welcome back to another episode of Controllers and Couches. I'm part oh, of the duo, oh, Whoa, Full Metal Chicken, and I'm Steph. Fafa, and move the tea around. Move the tea around. And on today's episode, I'm drinking Earl Grey, hot, black. Well, it is citrus. Hot water. In ode to. Uh, in homage to, obviously, Picard. Captain Picard Patrick Stewart. I don't Stewart. understand. Star Wars. Does he drink? No. Star Trek. Star Trek. Captain Picard always drinks Earl Grey hot. Okay. Black. So, obviously... you drink Earl yeah. Grey cold. No. You, oh, we can. Put it over ice. That's fine. Nice. Um, and you can add other things to it. But, yeah. So, today I've gone for a couple of slices of orange with some Earl Grey. Is it good orange? Yeah, it's, it's one from the fridge, so it's chilled. 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 Crisp. 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 And, uh, yeah, it's been a while. Um, obviously, I've had some uh, issues with my laptop, um, so... Well, to be fair, it was the silly season. Yeah. We were tidying some things up around the house, and then Christmas came, and then things just snowballed. And also, too, unfortunately, what's happened is I had my laptop case snap. The, the strap snapped and it kind of fell and I broke um, the corner of the screen. So that and some other issues with software. Um, yeah, it's been a while, but now we're back on track. So now people can... It's great when you purchase a license for a product. Yeah. And the product is like, this license does not exist. This license does not and exist. And then you go, actually, it's a lifetime license and you haven't had an issue with it for three years. Yeah. So check again. And the other problem too is we haven't been able to get a tech out because obviously with the screen, I mean, I got like a six-year warranty on it, but manufacturer's warranty only lasts for two. So... Unfortunately, no one will come out in a pandemic. No one will come out in a pandemic, and it's going to set back minimum 170 because what they need to do is they have to take the whole back off, um, replace the, you know, well the screen isn't cracked; it's just the outer casing. But it's enough of enough of an issue. You don't want it to uh, ex- exacerbate yeah, into a, hard, a hardware issue as yeah. opposed to like a cosmetic issue, though. Yeah. So essentially, we've been the ones listening to podcasts and watching podcasts. So. Um, what I found is that by, you know, just doing some, I suppose, research that I talk a lot of crap and make a lot of random noises. So <laughs> I think this could be the fact that, you know, insert fingernail flicking here. Yeah, exactly. So that is also one reason why I think we don't have many subscribers because oh, people think my voice is like a, I think they say that about me. No, no, no. Definitely me. It's like, you know. A brick dragging along concrete. Um, also, you might hear some different sounds that you haven't heard before because we went and spent some money getting some carpet. Well, it's like floor chair mats. Yeah. So if you hear this, yeah, it's just us on our feet. We'll try to edit it out as best as we can. Yeah. But I figure if you can't hear it, it's not a problem. But if no. you can hear it, you know what it is. It is. It's just those plastic <laughs> mat guards. Um, so obviously I'm not going to be doing much rolling around on, but, uh, yeah. So, um, let's see. It is what it is. So it's been a while, but welcome back to a, another scheduled round of controllers and couches. We're getting back into the thick of things. So, uh, welcome back everyone. We're here and do not fear. You probably didn't miss us. (laughs) Yeah. I probably didn't miss me. Uh, okay. So life updates. We're alive. Let's see. I downloaded an app 
um, that helps identify plants. Plants. Okay, can we plants. just rewind and back up a moment? So, they were there were gale force winds this yeah. morning, and Michael in his pajamas decides he's gonna go outside and brave what feels like a sixty k an hour wind. Oh yeah. To start taking photos of our pot plants. Yeah. Because he downloaded a ton of apps that allegedly tell you the species. Yeah. So it's called identify this. Um, it's one of the more popular ones. Obviously, I'm not using the premium access because <laughs> don't want to pay for it. Um, so what I found so far is some of the plants in the backyard have uh, got um, brown spot, and there's also one where I did some cuttings because obviously seasonal. We're trying to just get the cuttings done before the pick exactly. Winter. So there's some there obviously don't have flowers. So I wanted to get them right because one thing I found is with you know, being a green thumb or black thumb, whatever you want to call it. You I start think, green. Started green. I've kind of fucked it up when I killed a cactus, um, but I brought it back again. So, oh, you did, did you? Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> obviously, it's just a case of making sure that things aren't, you know... Overwatered. Overwatered. Say it with me now. Overwatered. So, <laughs> what I've done, and probably after this podcast, I think just because I need to get onto it quick, I need to actually... Cut some leaves, like sanitize the the actual mm-hmm. blades and cut the leaves. Otherwise, well, you actually would, uh... found a fantastic mix, didn't yeah. you? A cutting mix. Yeah, it's um seed uh, cutting propagator. It's a powder um from Bunnings. Um, and essentially, what I found is normally when I'd be stuffing around with these cuttings, that you do them and then they just die within like a few days. But the cuttings I've made, I did for what three weeks ago, and they've actually survived. So still kicking. Still kicking. So there's a bunch of plants that I want to just propagate because when you see them at different, you know, I suppose stores, they are so damn expensive. And we've got a, uh, a jade tree. Uh, and I say tree in the, the largest sense of the word. Um, so essentially it's known as an elephant bush. Um, now, but it's more of a tree. <laughs> yeah, it's known as a dwarf jade plant. So we saw one of these... At Bunnings, and it, like just a, this one was probably about I'd say a quarter, sorry, yeah, about a quarter the size of the one we have here, and they were charging about one hundred fifty bucks for it. Mm-hmm. So you've had that tree for how long now? This particular tree is probably about oh, I'd say thirty years old. Yeah. So I've actually it's been just alive and kicking for a been while. alive and kicking. So obviously they say you know with gardeners and stuff. Anytime you cut, uh, like leaf rot, that's the one that I'm looking at with some cuttings. I need to get rid of that. Leaf rot, brown spot, that sort of stuff is frustrating because it will kill clip, like kill cuttings. But it's more a case of some places it's just hard to put certain trees in because obviously if you put a plant in a pot, it's going to be restricted by the size of which it grows. So obviously when you're looking at certain plants, if you actually put them in a pot, they're going to be restricted by you know their surroundings so we're and you've also got to look at your functionality for example this is not no one owns this house like we rent it yeah. so you don't want to have a massive pot 
that's no. you know 200 kilos and then in move. four or five years you have to be like oh it's time to move who the hell are we yeah. paying to do this oh great they dropped the pot there goes the plant there that you spent plant. you know 20 years trying to grow exactly so obviously you want to keep your weight range to about 20 to 50 kilos oh, i was gonna say 10 but yeah. okay but we can move 20 <laughs> to 50 kilos and it's just not in a ceramic pot they're in plastic so they don't break um and it's but, all... well, we have tinier ones we've got tiny ones yeah so it's um yeah something keeping it manageable yeah and it's also doing something constructive and just trying to you know work at something you know stress free you know calm calm the farm um, and also trying to help the environment like we try to have a lot of lavender and other things that will um get pollinators around yeah you want birds you want we to have get a, the... a bird bath we recently got just a tiny little um bird house that I think we're going to have to sit up a little bit better <laughs> because of the wind. Yeah. The birds probably need to be unstable. An actual bird feeder. Yeah. So get the bird feeder in um, and see how that goes because obviously. Quinoa. Yeah. And the, I think in the past we've had a lot of African miners. Um, we didn't get many Indian miners, but African miners and obviously you've got magpies and that sort of stuff. But it's more just trying to get like the little things like lorikeets parrots, uh, rosellas, those guys coming in. and The natives, if you will. The natives. And we've got a lot of natives in the backyard, so... Fingers crossed when they start flowering in the yeah. winter. So, and then obviously we've got bees, you know, we'll just start up a, you know, an apiary. Yeah. So, yeah, harvest bees, what's the worst thing they can do? Oh, only um, one also, of us is sick and it ain't me, uh, like allergic and it ain't me. Talking about bees, um, I was reading something and I found out that they recommend and they advise beekeepers not to eat bananas prior to harvesting honey uh, from the hives because when you eat, no, it makes them angry. It, it, there's uh, like the pheromones and stuff that you get from eating bananas. It makes the bees think they're being attacked, Ooh. so they get angry. So they advise they're beekeepers not to eat defense. bananas. So there you go. Feel free to look that one up. That's a little bit of interesting trivia. Obviously, you know, I eat a lot of bananas, so that's maybe that's why bees attack me, you know. No bee has attacked you in decades. Yeah. And if they did, you'd very closely be dead because aren't you deathly allergic? Yeah, pretty much. You know. You know, to be or not to be. That so. is a big question. That is a big question. Alrighty. So, and, uh, okay, gaming front. What are we doing on the gaming front? Look, all I know is I need to get to tier 75 because that's where the war tracks are, the 80s pop war tracks. And I think Rick Astley's in it, so nice. I need to get that. I'm so far behind. I've actually got about like eighteen days. I've 18 got like days. fifty levels to do. We can we can get there. I think it's double XP this weekend. I don't yeah. know if it's double tier, double weapon. Yeah, but we can try. But we've actually just come to the conclusion that our playing styles are completely different, um, and it's just hard because obviously we've got some server latency. But the problem is, and there's no you way... You can have fantastic latency during the day. Yeah. No packet loss. And then as soon as it gets after 10.30, when all the little kitties have gone to bed for school the next day, and you're suddenly not on APAC servers anymore, you're terrible. And the you other thing that I found is, and there's nothing we can do to change it, is, for instance, if we, say, get killed by an enemy, the respawn for us is about... Anywhere from twelve. I don't. To, think, I think you think that. I don't think that's yeah, real. Absolutely, it's between ten and twenty seconds. I but, don't think that's real. No, absolutely, I'll record it next time. I, I'm just saying. It's a long time, and 
when I spawn and when you spawn, we spawn in different points. To but the that, point... that happens. That's what the game does. It's not a personal vendetta against oh, absolutely. you. No, it's just frustrating. And also, you know, they, they say, oh, we banned 60,000 people, 100,000 fucking cheaters come back in. So, yeah. you know, it's... Well, at the end of the day, those people help them with their numbers. That's it. Those people are spending money buying stuff in the and store. And that's all money. they care about. It's hours logged in every day. And they don't care. Yeah. Um, talking about hours logged in, one of my friends was asking me to watch Penny Dreadful. And she was she's from the US. And so she was like, oh, my God, it's on the Netflix catalog. You should totally watch it. I think you would like it. And then so I went to look it up. And it wasn't on our catalog. It's only on Stan. And then we had a look and we remembered that um, the new Walker Texas, Texas Ranger, Ranger reboot was on. So I've gone, oh, yeah, we'll just watch it in a month, you know. Spend 10 bucks, give us something to do. Yeah. And we also watched all of Yellowstone. <laughs> Season 3 yeah. of Yellowstone, which is a day's work. Yeah, day's work. <laughs> it's too much. And it's left on a cliffhanger. So Doesn't it always? We're not going to spoil it. We're going to no. keep it non-spoilery, but it's pretty solid. I'm excited to... I think you said June, July of this year. Yeah, spring. Um, Season 4 is coming out, so... Um, so, you know, we're trying not to look for spoilers because it's... It's big enough to kind of go, oh, jeez. But also, too, I found out if anyone is a fan of The Expanse, um, the good thing about The Expanse is sitting on, like, nearly close to perfect on um, Google and IMD and everything. So, you know, it's... We watched, what, the first two seasons of that? Yeah. And then Amazon bought it out? Yeah. And so now they're up to season five, and they're going to close with season six. But, I thought there were nine books. Yeah. So, essentially, some of it is slightly different to the novels. Yeah. But five and six um, seasons, it's sort of books five and six okay. that you could... It's This isn't a spoiler, but in the books there's a war. So, they're pushing that into that series. So, hypothetically, they could close it in season six. And it's a similar thing to the actual books. Fair enough. But, Watch them Game of Thrones it. Yeah. But apparently one of the characters in the series got killed off because of something they said on Twitter. Oh, it wouldn't be the first time. Wouldn't Say hello to um, Shonda Rhimes getting rid of the asshole in um, Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. So it's just well, interesting how so many people are getting cancelled over old tweets and everything. Good. People and, should um, be held accountable. And also, too, the thing that right, I was... buddy, let's wrap this up. We've been talking for, what, nearly 30 minutes. Let's get the show going. 15 minutes, let's go. Okay. Finish what you're saying and then we'll go on. No, it's just um, uh, WandaVision. We haven't watched it yet. We're going to, but obviously... Everyone some... says that because it only releases one or two episodes a week, everyone says that they wish that they just watched it, you know, instead of week to week living on a cliffhanger, Yeah. just watched it when it all comes out. Typical Disney, I think it's going to be eight episodes, right? Yeah. So if they're already four out, that's what, two to four weeks? Yeah. It is what it is. And they're raking that in. It is what it is. Okay. Um, weekly news wrap up. Last night we were just sitting on the good old Reddit and I came, I subscribed to the Scary Signs subreddit and I saw this one where it says, Toxic Razor Clams. I had never heard of Toxic Razor Clams before. I put the link to the little um, sub, well, the, what's it called? The post in um, our little description notes. But that's scary. It's obviously in Oregon, I think. 
But um, from my very vague research that I googled in 40 seconds, they accumulate diomic acid and other shellfish. So if you grow quickly, you break down the diomic acid quickly. But razor, from my understanding, razor clams slowly grow. Yeah. So they hold on to it a lot, lot more. more. Yep. So. Possibly um, having nettles as well. That's why you should really be eating. Seafood isn't something we should be eating all the time. There are people that say, oh, I eat food every day, or I have a can of tuna every day, and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't think you could do that. I don't like think shrimp. it's a good idea. Don't eat um, shrimp. The, the lower something is in the, um, what's it called? The hierarchy, yeah. the food pyramid, the more, the more mercury it has. Yeah. Plus. Oh, no, is it the other way? That's it. No, sorry. No, it's the other way. way. The larger something is, the more mercury it's accumulated yeah. in the arsenic. But like shrimp, which obviously, you know, yabbies and stuff, smaller or larger. Yabbies are fresh, though. Yeah. Yeah, fresh water. Yeah. But shrimp, they have their, um, their stomach and everything. Well, they're... If you took a biopsy of their head, it comes up with like liver cells, gut cells, and all that sort of shit, and heavy metals and everything. So that's why you don't eat shrimp heads. You can eat everything else, but don't eat shrimp heads because it's concentrated in heavy metals. And I was crap. So yeah. Love us a good mutation. Yeah, there you go. So clams, eh? Mm. Yum. Um, In our last episode last year, um, we covered Janelle Matthews's murder. And I said that I would keep you guys all updated. So last week, uh, her murderer, Steve Penke, decided to plead not guilty in um, the Weld County District Court and the judge, Timothy Kearns, was presiding. And his attorney, Anthony Vorst, was the one who entered the plea. Apparently he was there. He was in his orange jumpsuit all chained up and he was wearing a mask because obviously covid the trial is going to be held during the U.S. summer, which is winter over here in the good old Oz, and it's going to begin on the oh, sorry on eight thirty a.m. on Monday, the twelfth of July, um, two days before Independence Day, which will slow down proceedings even further. But apparently, his attorney is going to file for a motion for a change of venue within the next three weeks, so that would push it back for them anyway. Uh, because it's too close to hometown, and they're saying that that would impact uh, people sitting on the like on the trial jury and whatnot. Uh, it will be a lot more bias yeah. in his trial. Um, and his parent, well, her parents were there, and I'm not sure if her sister was there, Jennifer, but her parents, Jim and Gloria, were in the courtroom when he pled not guilty. And Jim, Jim made a comment to the press saying. To tell you the truth, we never expected it to be at this point. We never expected to find out what happened to her. We were consoled to the fact that we would probably never know what happened to her. So it's not to say that they're happy that someone's finally been put away because it never should have happened. But I think they're going to see some peace when he is eventually locked away. It will take a long time. Yeah, we can only hope. And then you had a story you wanted to share. I'm trying not to do the Faraday Cage, conspiracy oh, theorist bullshit. Yeah. Um, so if anyone isn't aware of what a Faraday Cage, essentially what a Faraday Cage does is blocks electromagnetic signals and, uh, you know... Like so essentially imagine you get a wire mesh and you put it over something, but then you put crocodile clips to a battery on there, so you run a charge over it, 
and then theoretically nothing is able, no, nothing electromagnetic we'll is through. allowed to penetrate it because yeah. of the, let's call it a force field. Yeah. I don't know if that's what you'd call it. So what's happened is 5G truthers bought Faraday cages to protect their routers and they're mad they worked. So long story. Oh, why did they want to protect their routers again? So essentially what they were worried was people were, you know, afraid they were going to be getting harmful radiation from 5G, like, you know, 5G. No, and, no, you know, let me just was, set up my own fucking homemade yeah, electromagnetic and, um, fucking field. Essentially what they said was, you know, conspiracy theorists believe that false claims that 5G causes cancer and spreads COVID-19. So... I have a question. Um, a, wouldn't it overload your router? No, all it would. B, would your routers or no. modems... F- wavelength be able to push through the cage so can signals go out no so then how are they using their router exactly so here's the thing um certain companies um essentially what it does is they said this is the companies who are selling this bogus bullshit the so to shield the 5g signal you put your wi-fi router in a metallic box and it blocks about 90 percent of the signal so then they said, ah, oh, there you go. You are instantly protected oh, yeah. from radiation. Now, essentially, <laughs> oh, sorry. 5G a vaccine, A vaccine that's 99.9% effective, no, 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 that's, that's too, uh, too great a threat. Exactly. You know, too great a chance of being wrong. 90% beautiful. Let's set one up at home. Yeah. So essentially, a shit ton of 5G truthers bought them in the droves, like tons oh, and tons no. and tons of them. And essentially... All it was was just, you know, a glorified mesh box slash looks like a file organizer. That, that's that what it is. one that you showing in the article by Popular Mechanics. I'll link it in our notes. To me, that looks like a fucking birdcage from the eighteen hundreds, except yeah. it's iron instead of wood. Yeah, and so anyone who's actually, you know, I'm not going to say dumb, um, but I suppose. If you want to get something like this, it's not going to block any radiation whatsoever. It's going to stop your router from actually doing its job. So how are you going to access the internet? If you were to actually use a Faraday cage, a Faraday cage blocks 100% of any Wi-Fi and electromagnetic signal at all. It literally just blocks everything. So you're, you know, the fact that it's only protecting 90%, it's faulty. It's not actually, you know, doing the job it's supposed to. So, um... Things like... Yeah, you know why? Because look at that massive opening in the middle. Yeah. So the things that actually get put into the marketplace that actually work as a proper Faraday cage are people who do x-ray imaging um, and, you know, technicians who use, you know, power lines. I don't understand these morons. Yeah. And then I, don't, I can't speak to the validity because I haven't fact-checked it myself, but I saw this thing... That said, uh, I showed it to you as well. Was it Reddit as well? Where they were like, some moron was selling cream lotion yeah. to say that it would block out 5G radiation yeah. and it was just Nivea yeah. or something. I don't want to get sued by Nivea. No. I'm assume- That's what the post I read said. I haven't fact-checked it myself. I hadn't had time before this recording. Yeah. But people, are- and if people, people just want to believe. Exactly. And if people would like to do more research on the particular um, companies that are actually putting out these bogus Faraday cages... Um, two of the products listed on uh, eBay are known as Radagard and EMF Essentials. And you know what? eBay lets you put whatever the fuck you want on there. The same as Amazon. Quote, unquote, to bloody the rider 
who stole the speaker's podium yeah. and tried to sell it for fucking 80,000 US bucks. And then eBay was like, oh, better let it sit there for evidence for 12 hours. Yep. Morons. So, um, yeah, if you really, really, really want to do this sort of stuff, um, essentially you should just maybe educate yourself on how different things work, especially when it comes to... And keep to... in mind, if you're putting a thing... If you're that worried about what your router is doing, if yeah. you're that scared about radiation... You Switch off your phone. Don't listen to this podcast. No. Go off the grid. Yep. Switch off your Wi-Fi. Go live on a farm. Don't have a car. Don't have anything. Don't have a fire alarm. Don't have a fridge. Don't have a microwave. Don't have a stove. Don't have anything in your house that has a pilot light. Don't buy newspapers because they're combustible. Yep. Um, don't buy flour because that is it's also com- combustible. combustible. Um, don't have any paper products. Don't uh, build your house with anything other than steel. Yeah. But even then, they can melt they in can the right melt. temperatures. Um, cut down every tree in a one-kilometer radius of your house, yeah, but also I hope you learn to stop breathing. Because they can instantaneously combust too. Also, um, concrete <laughs> has background radiation, so don't build that on a slab. Um, oh, and um, do soil testing, but also don't because you're exposing yourself to chemicals, whether you do the testing or not. Yeah. And that's heavy metal poisoning, possible, you know, asbestos. And just in case you do have asbestos in your house, it's safe unless it's disturbed. But preferably, you don't want to build a house with asbestos unless it's been around since the 40s. So, um, Basically, everything's going to kill us. Yeah. It's just what gets you first. The more you think about it, the more stressed out you're going to be. Now, obviously... Do you know that statistically, there was a report, like a research case thing that came up, I want to say 10 years ago, where it said that people who were not ill... Just stressed about getting cancer. And got it. Got cancer because of the stress. Yeah, because, you know, obviously, the more you focus on something, you know... The more can, worked up you get, it, the more you uh, suppress your immune system. Yeah. And then your... What is it? Which cells are they? I know this. The T cells and B cells mm-hmm. won't work because they've been suppressed. Yeah. So, essentially... you've got too much cortisol flooding your system. You're just putting yourself under duress. So, you know what? At the end of the day... I couldn't give a fuck about 5G. I couldn't give a fuck about 4G. At the end of the day, you know, the internet works. These things happen. Whoop-de-doo. You know, it's... I'm educated enough to know how things work. And there's going to be one or two people, or maybe a hundred, that will listen to me saying this right now and tell me I'm full of shit. And you know what? At the end of the day, fantastic. Thank you. Know, you know I what? appreciate that. I, I get how people want to talk about, like today we're going to talk about a conspiracy, because it's fucking fun to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to think about why people would think that, yeah. or to think about, oh shit, what if the government was doing something? Like, yeah. In theory, yes, that would be a fucking fantastic movie plot. Oh yeah. The government put out a virus to stop, you know, to get everyone inside so that no one would stop them from putting out the new 5G network. Yeah. And then it got out of hand and then people started dying and so on and so forth. But also keep in mind, I can speak about Victoria. Um, the government didn't fucking know when people who had coronavirus in June, July, who were supposed to be at home, weren't at home. And now we've got the UK strain. Well done. Well, because stupid idiots were like, oh, yeah, it's a great time to get back on track. And I remember having this conversation with your mum and she was like, because I said to her, you know, I think you should stay at home because we don't know. Um, these tennis people, like they're bringing in all their families, they're bringing in their coaches, they're bringing yeah. in their entourages. That's going to be thousands upon thousands of people, which is thousands more chances of someone bringing something in. And they're going to go everywhere because that's what tourists do. Yeah, they go they're going to come into contact with so many people. 
and poor workers who don't need to deal with it. It should either be suspended or, like, pushed back and rescheduled later in the year. And then she goes, no, 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 we have to eventually get back to normal, Stephanie. And then three days ago, she was like, Stephanie, you were right. Yep, all right. And that's the thing. Until the vaccine comes out, and obviously you got And people. even then. And even, even then, then, it's not Because it's be. also a case of viruses mutate all the time. So what's happening now is there's a few mutated strains that <laughs> and mild. aren't affected by the vaccine. So, yeah, good luck with that. Um, and so that's why people out there say, oh, you know, you're being controlled. You're a sheep. Um, you, you know, know what? Those people, fuck them off the list, yeah. right? Send them somewhere else. And then the people who actually are not in high, for example, the elderly or the immunocompromised or have other underlying medical conditions that are higher up the list, have people that are not that be pushed higher up the list too. Once all the people that need it first are served, all the dickheads, get rid of them. Move them somewhere else. Because they're the same dickheads that have a go at actual Australians who have been here for over 50, 60,000 years. Also, here's Send them somewhere too. else. Polio. Have you ever had polio before? No. no, you know why? I wonder. It's almost as if someone designed something to would... eradicate it. I know, right? And the funny thing is, people who are suddenly except getting... I, I think it's just in uh, it's epidemic in some areas, yes. but in Western society, it's, it's not. Um, and this is the thing because people now are saying, "No, I'm not going to vaccinate my kids." Blah blah blah. Sure enough, whoops, a resurgence of polio. Now, who would have fucking thought? Also, but I don't think I got vaccinated for polio. Yeah, you would have. No, no, no. I think they stopped vaccinating. No, it's or like, is it as soon as you're born? Is that one of the born. ones? That yeah, you, I can't even remember the polio vaccine schedule. Is, you know, they, that's one of the ones that gets done. It's like uh, rubella. Oh, measles. that's it. Yeah, measles, yeah. rumps, the MMR. Yeah, yeah. That's done. So, at six, that's right. You get it at six months. That's yeah. right. Which one was the one that they were saying they were going to take off the uh, schedule? I can't remember. Because they were like, oh, let's take it out of circulation. But since they've, um, you know, these Muppets running around saying, oh, you know, I'm not going to vaccinate, you know, this sort of stuff, and suddenly it starts coming back, you kind of go, well, hello. People are morons. And the big thing that I've said to people too is influenza. Okay, so people go in the grand scheme of things. Now, for instance, okay, so we'll say 2.3% of the global population has COVID. Um, You go back... To you know, the you know the Black Death, that Black sort of plague. shit, Black Plague. Um, Six point eight percent of the global population died from that. Now, but you do realise that we're a much larger population exactly. now. So everyone may not die. No, but because we have better infected. access to healthcare exactly. and water they didn't and have food. Penicillin. But there is a larger global population. Yeah. Therefore, statistically. It could be fair to say that eventually, by the time the pandemic is done, more people could have become infected with yeah. COVID than yeah. the Black Plague. And what these people also don't realise is... Which was in influenza, people, yeah, I think. In, since people have been wearing masks, the... Every trans- other illness has, has gone dropped. down respiratory. So the transmission percentage of influenza has dropped dramatically. So I can tell you right now that hardly anyone in my workplace has had the flu. Close to zero. I normally get sick once a year. Yeah. And let me tell you, I haven't gotten sick for a year and a half. It's been great. And you know what? It's shit having the flu. It really is. Honestly, it's it's shit. Um, and what a lot of people don't realise, and feel and free to jump is, on the Even if internet. you get the annual flu vaccine, that may not be the strain that you get. No. Um, 
So one, you can't get sick from a flu shot. The flu vaccine does not give you. You might get fake symptoms like fake. um, what's it called? Uh, you, oh, I've forgotten the term. Pseudo? Psychosomatic. Yeah, and you it almost so may be a case of you may go and get the shot, but at the same time you may have accidentally come in contact with someone before who's sick. you got the shot. So that might go. happen. Um, I get a lot of um, psychosomatic ones after I've had a shot, not by me going, "Oh my god, it's giving me a virus," um, but it's just what my body does. So yeah, but with the masks, the transmission of influenza has dropped. It's almost as if Japan was onto something. Yeah. It's almost as if they knew what they were talking about when they were wearing masks on public transport and to be considerate. And you know what? Stuff everyone else. I'm just wearing it. I don't care what anyone says. And see, here's the thing too. A lot of people don't realise that if someone sneezes in a building, you're gone. I'm never ever going to work. Even if it's something as a sniffle, I'm never going to yeah. work ever again. As in, not as in I'm quitting my job and living. Yeah. On the edge. I mean, I'm not going to work sick. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see how, you know, everything changes. Because obviously you are... Oh, Technically speaking, say that a woman has antibodies, like gets the vaccine for it, that then gets passed on to the child. Obviously the child would eventually get vaccinated, but it is what it is. So there's obviously, you know, epigenetic changes that will get passed on to offspring as well. So it's all, right. all interesting. But obviously there are people out there. If I'm going to say the magic word, bell curve. There are people at the 100% area where they're like, ooh, we're fucking super fucking crazy. And we're getting, you know, everything locked down tight. We're running a PC4 fucking home. You know, PC4 lab is a place oh, Once you're home, you don't need to go anywhere, right? Exactly. You just bring everything in. You treat stuff as it comes in and it is yeah. what it is. Then you've got the people at the far left, the ones that just literally... No Live vaccines, blah, 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 and end up like dying at the age of 30 because of, you know, oops, we bought a Ford, we don't wear seatbelts, but we go out windshields, you know. Do you know the other, I don't want to really trigger anyone, but the other, I don't know, it's my fault for fucking the algorithm in that way, but I went on to Reddit and I saw this thing, I showed you the video of yeah. the guy in Russia just wasn't yep. wearing a seatbelt, yep. driving like an imbecile and literally flew out the windshield of his car yep. and then... Bounce. What's the so, this is not me promoting no, what it's got called, and on the but road. it's like dead or veggie. Yeah, dead I think that's the subreddit, yeah. and I because someone reposted it to dash cams or like car crash cams. I can't remember what it yeah. is that for that uh, subreddit that I actually follow, and I was like, oh shit! And then so people in that subreddit actually vote as to the person is is whether they have become dead, a veggie. Or neither. Yeah. So, uh, you know. And I can tell you that a lot of people said he was dead. And a few said he was veggie. And none said neither. So, yeah. World's a scary place. It is. But even in your house, you're not safe. (laughs) No. No, you're not. And that's why we have plants. Because the amount of toluene in benzene in books is hilarious. And also a couple of air purifiers. Yeah. So get some air purifiers. Make sure you change the filters, though. Yeah. And clean them out and keep them dust free. Obviously, this room, though, like a, a plant in here would go perfectly. I've got the window. It's fine. There's so, a nice breeze. Do you have a nice breeze where you are? No, because we're inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think a, a Boston fern right there, perfect. But then you need to make the house, the room humid. 
already is on this side. You don't have to make. It I don't feel humid. No, no, it's not really humid, but it's like a Boston. It's warmer Boston. today just, because I opened up the blind. Yeah, but because of where it is, literally, if you just sit it by that window there, oh, I hear you. You just spray it; it's fine. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, but it's a good thing to do. I hear you. Alrighty, anything else you want to say before no. we get into today's topic? No, I'm good. Make something up on the fly while I just have a yeah. of water. So, um, <laughs> one thing we noticed too is the state at which a pandemic gets lifted is going to be a long time coming. I don't think there's going to be one. I think it'll be two years tops. Easy. And then, I should say, you know, the conspiracy is going to start coming about the, the vaccine and all this shit. So. Yeah, you know, let's see how it goes. I don't care. Give me the bloody vaccine. We as Victorians are not going to see the vaccine. You will get it before I do because... Yeah. But I won't until you, at earliest, if everything pans out, you're going to be able to get it late February. Um, and I'd be lucky to get it April, May. And I'll probably be able to get it free too. It's going to be free for all Australians. You don't Ooh. have to pay for anything. It's all not the PBS. No, you literally, um, you will get an app that's like the Medicare app or MyGov app, whatever it that is. And it so you have to show it at work, when you take your kids to schools, to daycares, everything, you have to show proof of vaccination, which I think is brilliant. And yeah. we should have brought out decades ago with our smartphones, but it is what it is. Absolutely. All right. Today we're going to do some more science woo-woo shit. Yeah, bring it. This is one that you've been asking me to cover for a very long time, and obviously I would have planned to do it sooner, but we did take a few hiatuses. Um, but today, we're going to stay in the conspiracy nature, but we're going to be talking about HARP, or um, the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program. Do you want to state what you know about it? I don't remember much, but all I know is it's something to do with weather control. Um, you got it, girlfriend. So, I think... Years ago, there was that whole talk about, oh, let's see clouds and see how much rain we can put. Um, so, obviously, ugh, you know, it's more a case of can we induce rainfall in drought-afflicted areas? But also, once you start fucking with the weather, there's a... Chance it could go wrong. Wrong. So, therefore, in America, for instance... We've watched a lot of F-grade horror movies F-grade that are focused on that one to be. Exactly. So, <laughs> what can happen is if you mess with clouds too much... You can start getting, you know, a hurricane. Sh- sharknadoes. So suddenly, <laughs> you know, you get flying sharks. So, uh, you know, essentially, it's what just... was the one we watched? Five hundred mile an hour storm. Like it was on Tubi's another free one. Oh, and God. we sometimes, if we're just feeling really down, or yeah. if we don't know what we want to watch on anything else. We just sort of go, let's see what's on Tubi. And we watched the most ridiculous things. For example, five hundred mile per hour. Storm. Just they, so bad. And then there was like Megalodon. But not with Jason Statham. The, it was an off-brand. The, oh, I don't even say like D-grade. It was more like... <laughs> F-grade. Beyond F-grade. It was... We watch it to pick it apart and laugh. It was bad. And it's good because they're 90 minutes or less. So you get through... And trust me, it does get cumbersome. Yeah. No disrespect to the directors. but It's, it's like definitely taking the piss. Um... So, okay. let's, you know, get a crash course in uh, the I atmosphere can, of the I Earth. can do that for you. So, okay. basically, as Michael alluded to, there, interestingly, is some um, history with governments trying to conduct weather control. Obviously, not for nefarious reasons, but, as you mentioned, drought, famine, 
tornado season. But it's it's understandable to consider the fact that it could be used as a weapon. Yes. So um, I'm not a physicist. I am not a biophysicist or a meteorologist, but I'm going to give you my crash course into the Earth's atmosphere. Do it. Keep in mind I'm a biochemist specialising in neuroscience, so I'm in a different... I do, <laughs> That's I mean, a different textbook. I remember studying like, a little bit of um, geology and physics, so, you know. So, basically, um, it, I, I don't know what to tell you besides there's the Earth, right? Yeah. Flat Earth theory is something we've already covered. It's all bullshit. But then as you go up, there's different spheres. Not using different... Different layers. Different layers. Right? So there's a troposphere, and that's kind of um, where Mount Everest, which is the highest point on Earth, isn't it? Yes. Unless something has happened drastically to cover up the aliens that happened... The release of aliens that happened last year in June, July. I can't remember what happened in what months last year. I had a list running. But it is what it is. And so you've also got clouds in there. And just to the peak of that is where the commercial jets fly. Yeah. And then you have the stratosphere, which is about twice the size of that. So I should say that the troposphere is about 10 kilometers. Well, a little bit higher. So the, the troposphere is about approximately 20 kilometers high. Are you then, sure? Yeah. Then it hits ozone layer. Are you sure? Yeah. Because I don't think so. Yeah. And the ozone layer is in between the stratosphere. That one's miles, darling. No, but kilometers on the left, miles on the right. Okay. Yeah. You got it. So. And the, there's a stratosphere, which is. Straight smack bang in the middle is where the ozone layer is. Yeah. And in that area, we have the spy planes. Yeah. And a lot of um, cloud stuff in there, like the high clouds that move very, very, very fast. And that's where weather balloons actually go to for the meteorologists. Exactly. So they can tell us, in terms of the Bureau of Meteorology of Melbourne, they prepare us for a storm that doesn't come. Yeah. <laughs> Every other week. Everything bullshit. <laughs> because Melbourne, if Melbourne floods, it's a big thing and everyone quits work and everyone has to be at home. So everyone in Melbourne likes to know if there's a storm coming. So they like to panic us. Yeah. They like to overdo it before they underdo it, which oh, is yeah. fair enough. Oh, you're going to get torrential down the hall. Listen, and... last year in June, no, July, was when the last big storm projection was happening in the peak of winter. And I remember I had my dentist the next day. And so they were like, Oh, Steph, you know, if you don't feel safe coming in, that's completely fine. We can reschedule your appointment. I'm like, it's fine. I'm happy to come in, but thank you for being concerned. And so the ladies and I are looking out the window, and there's no rain. No rain. And it was supposed to be the biggest storm in bloody 20 years since the 98 downpour, and nothing happened. And it came down to someone just chucking a bucket of water off the roof. Pretty much. Anyway, (laughs) we have detours on this podcast. Yes. Above the stratosphere is the mesosphere, and this is where you see sprites. Which yeah. are the, um, what do they call it? The aura of auralis. Aurora borealis. That's the one. Meteors come down. That's where they light up, right? And then that's where people send rockets to blow shit up. Yeah. So the stratosphere goes between about 30 kilometers in altitude to about 50 kilometers in altitude. And then the mesosphere um, I is I think about... you're reading that wrong. That says miles. No, no, but kilometers are on the left of the chart. Yeah, but that says 50 yeah, yeah, 50 kilometres. You said 30 to 50. Yeah, yeah, but the stratosphere is okay. in between. Yeah. never mind. And then the mesosphere goes from 50 kilometres in altitude to about 85, about 80 to 85 kilometres. Yeah, and above altitude. that is a thermosphere. Yeah, which is, you know, 85. So, within those, oh, and also the temperature varies between that. So, 
within the troposphere, it's pretty high. Um, and then the temperature from memory drops. And then it in, like kind of increases further. I can't remember which way it goes. Yeah. But either way, so we just said that it's troposstrato mesothermo. But between the meso and the thermo, so the outer two layers, that's the ionosphere. Yes. And that's what we are going to focus on today. So those layers together, they are ionized by solar radiation. And it's the ionized part of the Earth's upper atmosphere, um, which, according to my limited research, was 48 k's to 965 k's in altitude. And this is where extreme ultraviolet, or EUV, and X-ray solar radiation ionizes the molecules and atoms, thus creating a layer of electrons. So this is an area of the sky you don't want to be in. No, 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 no. This a lot is... of uh, mutation would occur yeah, if you magically found a way to get there. Oh, yeah, and this is why astronauts wear spacesuits to protect them from this kind of shit. And also the, the you know, the, the aircraft that are up there, that if they're manned, have actually, you know, this kind of shielding on them to protect them from this shit. Yes. Lots of it. Yes. And so this layer, as I said, has a lots of sub-layers of electrons. Now, I'm not a physicist, so I'm not going to tell you what the sub-layers are. There are many of them. Um, that's a lecture on its own. If you want a dedicated episode to that, please let me know because I'd have to do a little bit more work yep. in the area of science that I'm not qualified to spew shit about. But if you desperately want it, I can do it. <laughs> so we care about the ionosphere because it's where the ionised atmospheric gases are able to refract high-frequency, or HF, or short-wave radio waves. And this is kind of shit, correct me if I'm wrong, like walkie-talkies, radios. Yep. And these can be bi-directed, which means beamed two ways, into the sky, back toward the Earth, and at an angle into the sky. And this technique is called skip or sky wave propagation, and it's been in use since the 1920s to communicate internationally and um, between continents, essentially. So the returning radio waves can reflect off the Earth's surface into the sky again, allowing greater ranges to be achieved with multiple hops. So imagine like Hulk jumping. Yep. yep. That's what it does. What it does. Yeah, except it's very high. Yeah, and the not break the lands. No, it doesn't create craters, but it is what it is. Yeah. So this method of communication is described to be very variable and unreliable because it's all dependent on reception. So if there is a certain part of the pathway um, where season, seasons will come in, so if there's a lot of rain, that might provide interference. Um, if there's a lot of wind or uh, dirt flying in a dust storm or something like that. Not that I think a dust storm would be up that high, but it is what it is. Um, and it also varies over an 11-year period because that's called a sunspot cycle. Yeah. So while the Earth takes 365 days to rotate, the that part of the Earth's atmosphere rotates every 11 years. So during the first half of the 20th century, apparently this method of communication was widely used for transoceanic telephone and telegraph services for both business and diplomatic communication. So because of this unreliability, shortwave radio communication was mostly abandoned by the telecommunications industry, and that's why we all like satellites now. 
And though it remains important for high latitude communication where satellite-based radio communication is not possible, some broadcasting stations and automated services still use these shortwave radio frequencies, as do um, radio hobbyists who just go out for private recreational um, contacts and they just have their groups of people apparently and then they just build their radios, their antique radios, restore them and they chat to people they're never going to meet. Yep. Which reminds me of that TV show where the dad built radios and he got sucked into his radio and his daughter's a cop. And Us, um, uh, serif, no, uh, frequency. Yeah, yeah, it reminds me of that. Anyway, so let's fast forward a little bit in time to the 80s. And this is when the US Air Force and the United States Navy decided that they wanted to research the physical and electrical properties of the ionosphere to see how military and civilian communication and navigational systems could be affected and improved, which makes sense. Yeah. And then in 1990, Ted Stevens, who was the Republican senator for Alaska at the time, won approval for the facility to be built in Alaska. And going into this, they knew that it was going to be expensive, but they ran into a problem. They wanted to just, they had to justify essentially why the project was so expensive to build and to run, why they had to justify, well, they had to justify why so much taxpayer money was being funneled into this project. And this is pertinent to the story later. So just remember, it costs a crap ton of money, taxpayer money. So they secure the like they secure the contract in 1990 for it to be built in Alaska by the senator, and then they begin construction at the facility in 1993 in Gakona, Alaska. And my sincerest apologies if I've mispronounced that, but I did look at a few bogan uh, pronunciation guides and it did tell me that yeah. that was it, which is about a three and a half hour drive northeast from Anchorage, and the USAF selected this site as location for HARP because it met the site selection criteria of six things, being within the oral zone, near a major highway for year-round access, away from densely settled areas, which would cause like electrical noise and light interference, on a relatively flat terrain, of realistic and reasonable construction and operational costs, which, again, I've already told you is going to be quite questionable, but this site was deemed to be the most cheapest because in Alaska... You can't just ship things from the main 48 to Alaska. It has to go through Canada and then into Alaska, and things take a lot of time to do that. Um, even if you're trying to go through to Alaska, I think you can go the other way if you want to go on a ship in the barge, but I know military, they'd have a different way of doing it, but again, that drives costs and minimal environmental impacts. So from my knowledge limited knowledge i believe that a large part of alaska is owned by the air force and then i did some more stuff and i realized oh i found out i should say that they share nine bases with the army but the navy and marine corps don't have any bases in alaska and that's because devil dogs don't like hot weather is my addition to that because oh, they only like the hot weather that's because they yeah. only like the hot weather desert sand oil oil yeah go with the oilies Mm-hmm. Oh, well. And we ain't talking canola. No. Talking crude. Yep. So the project was originally funded by the Office of Naval Research and then it was jointly managed by the 
ONR and the um, being the Office of Naval Research and the Air Force Research Laboratory with principal involvement of the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Apparently, many other US universities and educational institutes were involved in the development of the project and the instruments that were set up and installed at the facility. Um, this includes the University of Alaska Fairbanks, Stanford, Penn State, Boston College, UCLA, Clemson, Dartmouth, Cornell, Johns Hopkins, uh, Uni of Maryland, uh, Uni of Mass, MIT, which makes sense, the Polytechnic Institute of New York, uh, Virginia Tech, and Uni of Tulsa. And so the project specifications were developed by the universities, and they continue to pay, uh, sorry, play a major role in the design of future research efforts. So they pretty much, um, pretty, as technology evolved and as things went on, they pretty much were saying, we want this piece of technology, or I want this to be installed, and then so on and so forth. So according to Harp's original management, the project strove for openness and all activities were logged and publicly available, a practice which still continues under the University of Alaska Fairbanks. So they wanted everything to be open source, just like NASA, and to share their data openly with the public, to kind of confirm to the people that, and give them the peace of mind that they're not doing anything nefarious, right? Yeah. And so scientists without security clearances or even foreign nationals were routinely allowed on site, and that continues to this day. Interesting. Um, HARP also hosts an open house annually, during which time any civilian can tour the entire facility. Again, I don't know how that's been handled since COVID, but it is what it is. And scientific results obtained using HARP are routinely published in major research journals, such as Geophysical Research Letters and Journal of Geophysical Research, written by both uni students, uh, American and foreign, and by the US Department of Defense Research Lab scientists. So when it was started in 1993 as a proposed 20-year uh, experiment, its end of life was scheduled to be in 2013. So um, the site itself had three build phases, and the first was completed in December of 94, and they called this the Developmental Prototype, or DP, and it was comprised of three passive diagnostic instruments and an evaluation prototype, HF, or high-frequency transmitter, consisting of 18 antenna elements, organised into three columns by six rows, and it was fed with a total of 360 kilowatts combined transmitter output power. And the DP transmitted just enough power for the most basic of ionospheric testing. So it's literally just enough to pump, get them off the ground. A skeleton yep. set up, if you will. And then five years later, in 94, HARP had developed an intermediate level capable of high-quality ionospheric research, and they called this the Field Developmental Prototype, or FDP. And they added several instruments into the diagnostic suite, improved the HF transmitter by adding another 48 antenna elements, and a net radiated power capability of 96 kilowatts. So compare that to the 360. Yeah, so... You're cooking with a lot more. 960 is a decent amount. Compared to the what they were running five years earlier, 360, that's a third. Yeah. Close enough, yeah. 
Am I not technically yeah, exactly a third, but yeah, you get what I mean. Round about. <laughs> and then between 2003 and 2006, they completed the final IRI, or Fury, which is a build that is still on site today. And at total, it's got 180 antenna units, organised in 15 columns by 12 rows, yielding a theoretical maximum gain of 31 decibel. A total of 3.6 megawatts of transmitter power is fed, but the power is focused in the upward direction by the geometry of a large phase array of antennas, which allow the antennas to work together in controlling the direction. And they also added new instruments to the facility, including an ultra-high frequency ionospheric radar and a telescopic dome for optical observations. In March of 2007, all the antennas were in place and the final phase was completed and the antenna array was undergoing testing aimed at fine-tuning its performance to comply with safety requirements required by regulatory agencies, which I'm pretty sure is the Department of Energy. Um, the facility officially began for operations in its final status of 3.6 megawatt transmitter power in the summer of 2007, which is obviously the June-July after March, yielding a maximum effective radiated power, or ERP, of 5.1 gigawatts. 5.1 gigawatts. Or 97.1 decibel watts. However, the site typically operates at a fraction of that power due to the lower antenna gain exhibited at frequency used in standard operation. Which makes sense. And also, that's a lot of power. That is. To be using on the daily. That's a lot of hamsters. In a lot of wheels. wheels. Yeah. (laughs) And a lot of water. (laughs) And um, pallets to be feeding those poor little hamsters. Oh, hamsters. There'd be some buff freaking hamsters. Oh, yeah. We're talking like... (laughs) Quadzillas. We're talking like Lance Armstrong. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Oh. Debatable. (laughs) So, in May of 2013, HARP was temporarily shut down, awaiting a change between contractors to operate the facility. And then in June of that year, HARP Program Manager James Keeney said, Defence Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA, is expected on site as a client to finish up some research in fall of 2013 and winter of 2014. And this temporary shutdown was described as being due to a contractor regime change. Anta Incorporated, which is the uh, Alaska Native Corporation serving the region of Alaska where, well, they're the traditional owners of that land. Yeah. And I shouldn't have to say traditional owners because they are the owners, but it is what it is. They were reportedly in talks to take over facility administration from Marsh Creek LLC. And then in March of 2014, the Air Force announced that the Hart Project was going to be shut down later that year. And while experiments ended in the summer of 2014, so June, July, August, the complete shutdown and dismantling of the facility was postponed for a year later, being May 2015. So in mid-August 2015, control of the facility and its equipment was turned over to the University of Alaska Fairbanks, which is making the facilities available for researchers on a pay-per-use basis. So something comparable here in Melbourne will be the synchrotron. Yeah. Um... Today, the HF transmitter, or high-frequency transmitter, now consists of 180 antenna elements, having a net radiated power capacity of 3,600 kilowatts, being 3.6 megawatts. They exploit this high-frequency band, and they use the antennas to pulse a continuous broadcast transmission. 
don't ask me what the transmission actually is. I wasn't able to find that information. You'd assume it would be like an audio clip. Yeah. Right? Pretty much. Like a little sound bite. But that's just me hypothesizing. That's the word. So then they study the effects of transmission and its recovery period. And they use associated instrumentation, including a, a VHF and UHF radars, HF receivers, and optical cameras. And according to the team, this is going to advance the study of basic natural processes that occur in the ionosphere under the natural but much stronger influence of solar interaction. And it also enables studies of how the natural ionosphere affects radio signals. So they say that insights can provide... Um, so, let me say that again. They say that HARP um, will enable scientists to develop me- methods to mitigate the effects and improve the reliability or performance of communication and navigation systems for both civilian and military use, and may also be able to increase the accuracy of GPS navigation. And you might say, okay, so how accurate is GPS navigation? I'm fairly certain it's got plus or minus one to two metres. Yeah, and just to make sure that people understand what GPS, it means global Global positioning. positioning. Yep, so if you load up Google Maps, that's GPS. Yes. If you have a dash cam, GPS is the main... Um, the first, I should say, de- default yes. setting. Otherwise, you can use the other two. Yeah. But they're, uh, I think they're like three to five yeah. meters off. I remember because we had that question when we were setting up your dash cam and stuff. That may have changed in like the last five years, but I'm not 100% certain. So basically, they're saying that it could increase accuracy of GPS navigation, um, as well as underwater and underground research and applications. And that they hoped that this could be applied to and improve submarine communication or the ability to remotely sense and map the mineral content of the terrestrial surface, as, uh, sorry, subsurface, and perhaps underground complexes of regions or countries. Interesting. So then everyone was like, so this is what you wanted to do all along. Yeah. But <laughs> the current facility lacks range to be used in regions like the oil-rich Middle East, According to researchers involved, the technology could be put on a mobile platform. So basically, it can't do that work. No. But that's the thing, though. Like, if you think about it, an underground complex, okay, there are countries that do weapons testing underground. underground. So essentially, what it's set up to do, what they want to do... Is get those readings. Get those readings. Oh, 100%. It makes... And they also would want to find out the mineral content of, like, terrestrial and subterrestrial surfaces because mining purposes. Mining, gold, oil. Yeah. Well, don't you mine for oil? Or no, you did, you drill for oil. Drill Sorry. For oil. Um, what do they call black gold? Black, black gold. gold. Black Remember gold. how all those shows used to play on 1HD? Yeah. And now it's... Nothing. Stupid reruns on Channel 10. Yeah. Trash. So, let's talk about the science, but first I'm going to have a sip of water before I start coughing. Yeah, coughing. So, also too, if you're out in the desert and you, you know, happen to see a, you know, a McDonald's, obviously it's a hallucination. That's called a mirage. Mirage. It's a mirage. A mirage indeed. Mirage. So, research at HARP has included plasma line observations, simulate, stimulate, (laughs) electron emission observations, Gyro frequency. I always forget how to pronounce that word. Is it gyro? Gyro. It's gyro if it's food. Gyro if it's earth. I say gyro either way. Gyro frequency heating research 
spread of observations, which means blurring of ionospheric echoes of radio waves, due to um, irregularities in electron density, specifically the F layer of the ionosphere, but again, I didn't really want to talk about that. Uh, High-velocity trace runs, air glow observation. I don't even know what these words mean, bro. High-induced scintillation observations. Scintillation is like the waves. Oscilloscopes, yeah. Yeah. So essentially you look it through um, oscilloscope and then just see the bands. Very low and ultra-high frequency uh, generation observations. Radio observations of meteors. Polar mesospheric summer echoes have been studied, probing the mesosphere using IRI as a powerful radar with a 28 MHz radar and two VHF radars at 49 MHz and 139 MHz. Why they need those two bands, I don't know. The presence of multiple radars spanning both HF and VHF allow scientists to make comparative measurements that may someday lead to an understanding of the processes that form these elusive phenomena. But why? But why those two bands specifically? I don't know. You know what? I'm not having a go at you. Maybe they contain saying. oil. <laughs> Research into extraterrestrial high-frequency radar echoes being the lunar experiment conducted in 2018, which is a whole other podcast episode I want to do. Um, let me just note that down before I forget. Hang on. Let me just highlight it green. Green. Green for aliens. Okay. Aryans. Testing of spread spectrum transmitters in 2009. Meteor shower impacts on the ionosphere. Response and recovery of the ionosphere from solar flares and geomagnetic storms. And to me, that's the most appropriate one out of everything. Yep. The effect of ionospheric disturbances on GPS satellite signal quality. Producing high-density plasma clouds in Earth's upper atmosphere and underground imaging. Underground imaging might also be helpful in terms of volcanoes, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. And, like, earthquakes and destabilisation and mine um, collapses. Yeah, absolutely. Just a thought. Just a thought. Mm. Uh, research conducted at the HARP facility has allowed the US military to allegedly perfect communications with its fleet of submarines by sending radio signals at long distances. I couldn't get any more information. But also, that. too, wouldn't you also use that to detect submarines as well? Um, I've always wondered that. How do they know where their submarines are, but also blind themselves to other submarines and are also unable to tell where other enemy submarines are? Well, essentially, like, sonar, they bounce it off the bottom of the ocean. Yes, but you can stealth yourself from sonar, apparently. Yes. Unless you've got... Essentially, unless you're driving um, a Collins-class sub. Yeah. Wasn't there some ship in a James Bond movie that... Yep. Muted itself to sonar or something. Mm-hmm. It yeah. is what it is. And then we had the hunt for Red October. Just uh, Sean Connery. And uh, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Baffleck. Baffleck. Baffling, to be honest. <laughs> so, Harp's main goal is to is basic science research in the utmost portion of the atmosphere, turning the atmosphere. And, uh, again, we've already spoken about the height and all that kind of thing. Apparently, what I later found out is that the molecular profile of the ionosphere is so variable and it changes 
on a variable period. So yeah. it can change over seconds, minutes, hours, days, seasons being like summer, autumn, winter, spring, yeah. uh, or years, like that 11-year rotation that I was telling you about. Yeah. And the closer you get to the poles, being north or south, the more variable it gets. Um, and yeah, because of obviously the Earth's natural magnetic field and how that generates the aura. Aurora. Aurora. And um, as we already said, weather balloons can't reach that height because the air is too thin. And satellites can't orbit there because the air is too thick. So research that they're able to conduct has to be very finicky. Very finicky indeed. Um, so basically, let's just jump to what other environmental effects are there any. And the facility says no. And I'm going to read you their quote, okay? The ionosphere is inherently a turbulent medium that is being both stirred up and renewed by the sun. Artificially induced effects are quickly obliterated. So what they're saying is, yes, we're inducing effects. We are inducing effects. But it's changing anyway. And for anyone who doesn't know what the sun is... Uh, Please. Yeah, you need to uh, maybe just kind of use a dry... Pick up a Year 7 biology textbook. Yeah. Uh, Year 7 just, science book. Just, you know, maybe just lift the rock you're living under and then observe what's going on, maybe. If you don't know what the sun is but you're listening to me drone... Yeah, we've got no, some issues. No, you know why? Because the sun isn't real. It's just a bunch of big floodlights that just are positioned and scaffolded. Yes, above the, the firmament. Ground. The firmament. There you go. Done. The fact that I still know that term, and it's been ages since we've recorded. I think that was episode number fourteen. Something like that. Yeah. And the fact that I still know that scares me. Anyway. So their analogy is, if you dropped a stone into a fast-moving stream, the ripples caused by the stone are quickly lost in the rapidly moving water and are completely undetectable a little farther downstream. And then so that's why the half facility has UAFs, because they want to measure the immersion further down the stream yeah. and so on and so forth. And they say, oh, we don't notice any irregularities. But if you're telling me the whole thing is irregular, yeah. how can you tell me you're spotting an irregularity in what is already exactly. irregular? Exactly. That's it's me going woo-woo. It's an irregular regular, if you ask me. A regular regular. So apparently, um, general housekeeping stuff like lighting, heating, and computers, and sweeping. They, yes, they all draw energy from the local power grid. Um, and during research operations, they, so like the generated, sorry, let me say that again. So all of their equipment that's run on its own generators. Yeah. So their own power. So let's talk about health hazards associated with electromagnetic field research and stuff being propagated in the facility. Mm-hmm. The, they say on their website that the high power HF transmitter is a fixed system and that the field strengths associated with its antenna system decrease in a known methodological manner with distance from the antenna. Mm. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's great, but what's that doing to the people that work there? And then they say, the rate of decrease is inversely proportional to distance, and the strength drops rapidly to levels typically of those encountered in the vicinity of an AM, FM, TV broadcast station. So what I'm gathering from that is they're saying, unless you're standing in the middle of an antenna, you're fine. 
you're going to be okay. But if you're standing in the middle of it, you're basically Where in they're the all beaming up together. Yeah. You're going to not be in for a good time. Yeah, essentially like popcorn. Maybe it will be okay when they, you know, 20 years ago when it was just 12 antennas. Yep. But today, maybe not so much. So essentially when all your transmitters combine and you stand in the middle, you definitely do not become Captain Planet. No. No, you probably wouldn't be on the planet for much longer. No, you'd be like... <laughs> so they uh, they like to stipulate that health and safety was a primary focus on in the design of the HF transmitter and antenna array, and there are no locations on or off-site where the electromagnetic field exceeds safety standards for exposure, um, as defined by the IEE slash ANSI C95.1-19092 and NCRP report number 86. And First of all... putting a disclaimer there, that is not the Starship Enterprise. Just no, that's not the Starship Enterprise. Second Close. of all, what that's saying is that there's a lot of background radiation already oh, on yeah. the facility. And um, 1992, I don't know about you, I was born in 93 and I'm nearly 30 years old. So if that's the standard that they're using, yeah. that's quite old. Yeah, and Second, also Eric Banner would love this shit. Thirdly, yes. Thirdly, um, not Eric Banner, Bruce Banner. Good correction. I just wanted to test. Uh-huh. Uh, although he was technically the Hulk yes. in that weird movie that no one likes to talk about yeah. or acknowledge, but it is what it is. Yes. So here's my question, Okay. It's like a dentist yes. or any other radiologist. Yes. They don't want to be there for every single no, x-ray. No, they want to be out of the room. Right. So what is this doing? Yes, I understand that it's negligible in terms of their... Like, we technically are standing abound in a ton of radiation. We've got TV. We've got radio. Yeah. Internet. Right? Yeah. But... You can't tell me that that shit doesn't have a background beam off. There's got to be. There's got to be. Like some has to be yeah. washing off. And it's not a hundred percent. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, when an enzyme wants to bind to something with high affinity, it doesn't have a full affinity to the point at no. which it's beaming. The spillover. Yes. But also too, you know, if you're getting ionic vibration, essentially when a beam will pass through, everything's going to get excited around it. So, obviously, if you're in an area where there's a lot of um, electron interference... And it's also flat. It's flat. So, it's so not bouncing off anything nah, like a valley wall or anything like that. Yeah. So, I guess they have that going for it, but it is what it is. Mm. Um, apparently, uh, they say... This is a statement again from their website. In fact... The electromagnetic fields measured at the closest public access point are lower than those existing in many urban environments. And I'm like, wow, way to be a sassy bitch. Yeah. But what about for the employees? Exactly. So, yes, okay. Say that I was a scientist who only went there twice a year, right? That's negligible to me. But what about the people who are actually working there, maintaining the facility day to day? For example, the facility manager. Also, to the rooms they would be in, they'd probably be inside big ass lead line. Away, 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 away. Way, from way, away. Also, being, being underground, built. there'd be areas where the, maybe perhaps the control area is underground, so you're getting blocked from the frequencies. Kind of like the synchrotron, you kind of away. Access. Yeah, not here. But I thought it was pretty sassy how they're like the closest public access yeah. point, blah, blah, blah. Also, it's in Alaska. Of course, you're going to have low stuff there hardly anyone it's like one of the least populated states yeah i'm not trying to have a go at anyone who's in alaska i'm just saying yeah those people in alaska hello to you and damn you for just having you know 
interference of the earth. Radio oh no, in the final frontier, how dare you? Final frontier! ET phone home with a UHF receiver. Also, it's funny when you drive around and you see people with a whole bunch of big ass antennas in their backyard. All I'm telling you is there's recreational you know, use of a UHF receiver. Then you've got military grade. When we used to drive to Geelong to visit your brother before he moved, and we had to drive that past that place, which had like seven uh-huh. metre, like five, seven like metre radio antenna in their house. And the Aussie and flag thing. flying. And I was drove past Rob and I was like, because Rob's dad is a... A bed? Yeah, and I was like, um, does your dad happen to know that person that lives there? And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I'm telling you, maybe minimum, this guy is some mili- was a military radio tech. Yeah, radio operator. Yeah, it's got to be something minimum that. And Rob's like, I don't know, but I'll ask him. They knew each other from Vietnam. There you go, done. There you go, done. <laughs> engineers, engineers and radio operators work together. But so it is what it is. It is Someone's got to build it. Someone's got to tell people how to use it. But when you see a ladder going halfway up this, you know, Listen, antenna, you all go, I'm saying is the antenna was three times higher than the house. Easy, easy. Right? There was a strong breeze because it's Geelong, and that bitch wasn't moving. This thing was at this least thing 10 was to 12 anchored, meters and we fall. thought, oh shit, this guy's got one. And then as you drive past the house, you see four smaller ones. Yeah. Set up in his backyard, and you go, is that not illegal? Technically not, because it's not impeding on anything. But I'm just... But if he's got credentials to be able to do that... But he's civilian, just because... Maybe he's not. Perhaps that person who lives at that residence has a permit to do exactly what those things enable you to do. And essentially, the, the higher the antenna, and dependent on the quality of the antenna system, gives you a larger... Area. What are you listening to, sir? Radio communications. Essentially what that is... Actually, according to monash.vic.gov.au building plannings, antennas, aerials and poles, the main problem is that of height. You need to have a planning permit. Your property cannot be less than 500 metres square in size. It can't be on the heritage overlay. Um, if it's attached to the building, what? I don't understand. I think what I'm understanding is three meters of the master antenna towering above your roof is the limit. Yeah, so if your house is, for instance, uh, five metres That's four, okay, but then the thing metres. can't be more than three yeah, metres. So what he's got, is, or him or her, has an eight metre. Why do they have an eight metre tower? The higher up you go... The clearer the signal. The clearer the signal. So essentially... But why do you need that? Because... Who are you communicating to? Fellow radio operators. So you've got, for instance, they uh, want to keep in touch. So the way they do that is they raise the aerials higher. So okay. the higher it is, the easier it is. And then to get his the freestanding one, which is the one we're talking about, yeah. um, can be eight meters, but you have to have building permits for that, which this person probably does. Yeah, because when you go um, out into rural areas and you see the broadcast stations, they're about four, like thirty to fifty meters up in the air, like depending. This on is areas. a civilian. Yeah, military right? civilian. For example, why would I need that? For instance, you wanted to communicate with someone in Darwin. The higher the signal... No, that's oh, sorry, that's the what a telephone is for. 
Some people are... It's. But you can still drop into that call if you're on that wavelength. I don't know. I'm not a radio operator. But I'm saying to you, it's about the wave. It's like the 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 band. Old right? habits die hard, perhaps. Maybe the frequency. Just, that's the one. Yeah, I don't know. There'd be a reason for it, but I don't know. It's just. Imagine more of a if hobby. they have kids overseas that have sat phones. Yeah. But I don't know if a sat phone would work to. Well, to you think about it. Say, for instance, telecommunications go down. They're going to be okay. These guys but are going to be okay. Why? Do you know what I mean? Like, who do you need to talk to that badly? Exactly. That you need that many in your backyard? Maybe they've just trained and they've done it so often that that is just ingrained and that's mm. what they want to do. So I hear you. it's like I'm truckies, you know, driving along, talking to each other on the highway. That's their phone call. That's their communication. <sighs> I hear you. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying. Maybe they're privy to things that we're not. <sighs> that's a scary thought. Woo woo. Woo woo science shit. Anyway. Woo woo. To get back on topic, the only allegedly, according to their website, the only points on the site that approach the electromagnetic safety standard are close to or directly under and over the antenna itself, as we said before. So unless yeah. you're standing in it, yeah, or suspended somehow over it, allegedly. Because you know okay. what happens then? If you were to accidentally fall in the middle of that, you know what you'd be doing? Oh no, I stopped and shot. Your shit as it slid out of your body. My shit is... What? <laughs> and, and you gave birth to, to your bloody spine. It's like all of a sudden... It's like, why am I hearing Britney Spears? Because this shit is toxic. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So outside the fen- this fence, the electromagnetic fields drop off very rapidly and are always below the standard. The closest public ac- access point to the facility at the Tok Highway is about 3,000 feet from the antenna fence, and the field at this point has decreased to 10,000 times below the standard. So, I'm here for it, you're here for it, let's get to the woo-woo shit. Yeah, let's get it! It's time for woo-woo shit! So, obviously you can't have any kind of installation, let alone a military installation, let alone something that's taking up so much money, without conspiracy theories being generated about it. 100,000 metres of tinfoil hats. <laughs> Throughout the years, people have allegedly speculated that there are hidden motivations and capabilities of the project. Oh, wait, you're telling me that America has hidden motivations? Oh, no. Tell it oh, to no. every nation oh, they've invaded. On I didn't own. see that coming. Oh, conspiracy? Oh, no way. No, everything is legit and above board. Mm. Oh, yeah, remember, it's, less than, it's uh, better than standard. Better than standard. Better than standard. 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 So, uh, apparently, like we discussed earlier, to justify HARP's uh, increasing price tag, the Pentagon had listed a ton of military applications. Yeah. Right? So, like we said, they listed a ton of shit that they know they couldn't do through the facility. Couldn't do through the facility. To justify why it would cost so much. Outside contractors. Yes. So they dreamed up potential military uses, like testing deep-sea communications for submarines, detecting underground military bunkers, and cleaning up satellite-disabling electrons in the event of a high-altitude nuclear detonation. Perhaps C-Lab 2021 on the Adult Swim channel is purely just to cover up for all the underwater shenanigans. (laughs) I was also reading this other thing on Reddit, and people were like, what if actually the military didn't gain anything from this? They just say that they have. Yeah. To justify it, because you can't, you know. It's all and to, be, to be fair, even when you're writing a grant at like our level, you 
put a bit of woo-woo shit in there. Oh, you do. And you're like, oh, I want to do this, this, and this, and this. And if I solve this, that means I can do this, 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 and this, yes, right? Yes. Because it has to be like a two to five year period. Right. Yeah. And you may not do any of those things because the science may lead you somewhere else. Yeah. So I can understand how in a grant that is thing, you know, we're talking about one, two, three million dollars. Yeah. Let alone a hundred times that amount of money. Yeah. On a military national level. Like for instance... The Star Wars project. But also, go back to a movie called Spies Like Us. Right? I don't know what that means. So essentially, Spies Like Us is a movie with Dan Aykroyd in it. Um, and essentially what they do is Cold War kind of shit. But essentially, it's a giant space laser system that bounces off satellites via ground to destroy things as a weapon. You know, that sort of shit. Is that what... We don't talk about his name anymore. Yes. Uh, good old... Yes. Jeffree Star's henchman. Yes. That is that the footage he played in that movie? No. In, in his... No. Different footage. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. All right. They don't make this movies is, like they used to. This is going to be weird. And I'm sorry, but you got to be in it to win it. Okay? Gotta this will provide you with some entertainment regardless. Also, sorry for that clicking. It's my chair. No, I thought it was my hips. <laughs> I haven't subscribed to the upgrade yet, so I'm all right for a little while longer. Yeah. Uh, Rosalie Bertel was an American scientist, author, environmental ac- activist, epidemiologist, and Catholic nun. And she warned the public in 1996 about the deployment of HARP as a military weapon. I don't know how being a Catholic nun lends you to that. I'm not trying to disrespect her other credentials. I'm just saying something's a bit off. Then we've got Michael Shusudovsky. Shusudovsky. That's the one. He's a Canadian economist, author, and conspiracy theorist. And he actually... I found it, let me tell you. I'm going to read some of my favourite parts, but we're going to get to it. In a sec. And he stated in his book published by the Committee on Monetary and Economic Reform that recent scientific evidence suggests that HARP is fully operational and has the ability to trigger floods, hurricanes, droughts, and earthquakes. And I was thinking... You underestimate the f- the capacity that's fully armed and operational radio station? Anyway, so I read that. Yep, yep. And I, was, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this evidence? It's got to be huge. Thousands of citations. Do it. Has to be peer-reviewed. Let me guess it was one. Let me recommend to you the riveting read, Where Were You Before the Tree of Life? Volume 6 by Peter R. Farley in oh, Google Docs. Peter Paddock eating shrubberies. Books, sorry. Shrubberies. This is many pages. I will put the link in our show notes. No trees were harmed in the making of this PDF. Well, the book originally had to be printed and then True. scanned. But it was scanned by radio frequency. <laughs> anyway, mm. this subchapter is called Owning the Weather. But how many people owned it? 
Despite a vast body of scientific knowledge, the issue of deliberate climate manipulation for military use has never been explicitly part of the UN agenda on climate change. Neither the official delegations nor the environmental action of groups participating in the November 2000 Hague Conference on Climate Change raise a broad issue of weather warfare or environmental modification techniques as relevant to an understanding of climate change. And you know why this was the, the major, you know, strategic and defence um, research position because all other research stations for other countries were clouded. You're funny. So I'm not going to go through three other paragraphs. No. I'm going to jump to the one that's most relevant to most us. Most pertinent to the cause. Yes. All right. So this sub-subchapter sub, sub, is sub, titled yeah. Bombarding the Atmosphere. Do it. Based in Kokoma, Alaska and jointly managed by the US Air Force and Navy. 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 HARP is part of a new generation of sophisticated weaponry under the SDI, operated by the Air Force Research Laboratory's Space Vehicles Directorate. It constitutes a system of powerful antennae capable of creating controlled local modifications of the ionosphere. In the military's Pandora's box, Dr. Nicholas Bich, a scientist actively involved in the campaign against HARP, describes it as a super-powerful radio-wave beaming technology that lifts areas of the ionosphere, the upper layer of the atmosphere, by focusing a beam and heating those areas. And you know why the Swiss don't like that? Those beams affect their, their beer and their chocolate and their tight little pants. Electromagnetic waves then bounce back onto Earth and penetrate everything, living and dead. If something's dead, it can't be penetrated. That's just well, technically, then, if it's the carbon that they're looking Bartel at. Bartel depicts harp as a gigantic mm-hmm. heater that can cause... This is the, 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 the Catholic nun. <laughs> depicts harp as a gigantic heater that can cause major disruption in the ionosphere, creating not just holes, but long incisions in the protective layer that keeps deadly radiation from bombarding the planet. Bombarding! Although presented as a program of scientific and academic research, Blech notes that US military documents suggest HARP's main objective is to exploit the ionosphere for the Department of Defense's purposes. Exploitment! Without explicitly referring to the program, the Air University study will. Fuck, I lost my point. Will. Will. <laughs> the University study points to the use of induced atmospheric modifications as a means of altering weather patterns, patterns. as well as disrupting enemy <laughs> communications and radar. Radar. According to Bartel, again, the Catholic nun, HARP is part of an integral. Also, this is no disrespect to Catholic nuns. No, no, no. This is just talking don't, about one. Don't worry. None of them will be offended. Okay. <clears throat> Weapon system with potentially devastating environmental consequences. Consequences. It is related to 50 years of intensive and increasingly destructive programs to understand and control the upper atmosphere, she notes. It would be rash not to associate HARP with the space laboratory construction, which is separately being constructed by the United States. HARP is an integral part of a long history of space research and development of a deliberate military nature. Nature. Deliberate. Spaceship. The project, adds Bertel, is likely to be sold to the public as a space shield against incoming weapons, which is literally not anything no. anyone posed. But you that's know what? It. I reckon it would put up as a space shield towards incoming you know what? guns from other I global think this little nun it's a has, mo- you need been, to be a has jumped herself into some communal wine. It's like... 
She's popped a few bottles of communal wine, if you know what I mean. She's bopped a few ports, I tell you what. I'll go for that tawny plea and the sherry over there, thank you. My my BCA is a little bit high, but it's okay. I'm now seeing space waves. So literally, you could read another ten pages. I've screenshot them. I'm not going to go through them. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't have enough brain cells as it is. I'm not going to risk it. So... In this case, what they found is obviously big ass, you know, radio frequencies being manipulated. So, at what point does the UN become unfriendly? Friendly and unfriendly. <laughs> Nothing that they said was true. It's just. They didn't cite any information, they didn't cite any studies. I want to know at which point they, you know, have to like cite Isaac Asimov. So, a little less dense woo-woo shit, away from, stepping away from the Catholic Church. Ooh. Over time, Harp has been blamed for generating catastrophes, as well as thunderstorms, so including, I should say, thunderstorms in Iran, Pakistan, Haiti, Turkey, Greece, the Philippines, and major power outages, such as the downing of TWA Flight 800, Gulf War Syndrome, and Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. Also, you know what I think thunder really is? And this is throwing science out the window. This is for those, that little conspiracy theorist sitting in their little pleather lounge chair right now, (laughs) sipping their little bourbon and coke. You know what thunder actually is? Giant monkeys in space with space symbols. That's what it is. It's not thunder or lightning. It's monkeys with space symbols. Done. I, I retconned it. Done. Read it, run away with that. There you go. So Planet of the space symbols. We've got some allegations we're going to talk to. I've got a bit of a list. I love allegations. Nick Bike, uh, Jr., the son of the late Bidic. US Bidic. representative Nick Bike, Jr. Bidic. Uh He wrote Angels Don't Play This Harp, which is very punny, <laughs> and he claimed that the harp facility could trigger earthquakes and turn the upper atmosphere into a giant lens so that the sky would literally appear to burn. And he maintained a website that claimed Harp was a mind control device. Is that what what they're trying to say is a uh, conspiratorially shake and bake? Shake and bake? Get it? Shake and bake? Basically, the only way to access this website now is to go back on Web Archive. (laughs) Um, Because this is what the guy looks like. And tell me that that's not James May. That's James May. (laughs) Holy shit. Um, More like James June in July. <laughs> um, look, I, I don't know what to say, but that's him. Not Nothing against him in his appearance, but his beliefs are a little... Okay. Yeah. It, it makes MK Ultra HD. A Russian military journal wrote that ionospheric testing could trigger a cascade of electrons that could flip Earth's magnetic poles, which is a bit ambitious because the only thing Americans could turn around was the set that they used to film Earth's landing. The only thing they could flip around was the oil tankers they drove into Iraq. Or into the fucking Gulf of Mexico. But it is what it is. We'll take your oil. Um, the Alaska State Legislature and European European Parliament held hearings about HARP, the latter citing environmental concerns. The former governor of Minnesota, who was an ex-professional wrestler, um, and no disrespect, but I don't know what scientific 
education and credentials you get from being a wrestler. I don't know. But besides they, crude anatomy. They're definitely harping on about it, aren't they? And the documentary maker, Jesse Ventura, who, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, great scientist, sarcasm, yeah. questioned whether the government is using the site to manipulate the weather or to bombard people with mind-controlling radio waves. An Air Force spokeswoman said Ventura made an official request to visit the f- research station, but it was rejected. He and his crew showed up at Harp anyway and were denied access. Oh. Sadness. Jesse Ventura in the wrong base. <laughs> You're so funny. Okay. So physicist Bernard Eastland claimed that Harp in- included technology based on his own pa- patents and had the capability. Capability to modify weather and neutralize satellites. And talking about neutralizing satellites, what we're talking about is the satellite is there, then it's... And then I'm thinking the only way I could consider that happening is with a rocket. And um, I don't think that they realize that it's public access, not weapon access. The question is, how many grain silos would just suddenly turn into nukes and then just... You know, your mom tells a really harrowing story about a grain silo that got electrocuted in a storm. Yeah. And then the lid popped off literally, and literally the, the farmer had to run away. Empty grain silo, basically hit by lightning, the dust inside the grain Nothing. silo, boom, it exploded and the lid flew across a paddock, cut through two fences and embedded in a tree. And we're talking like a tree that's like three, four hundred years old, people. like It's a big fucking tree. And all I'm saying is if it had hit a car, it would have sliced through the car. Dead. But this thing left a, like an, a groove in the road where it landed, <laughs> went through the fence. and it just... She says she's got photos of it. She's just got to find them. Yeah, and it's... I'm like, please, I would love to see that. And, she's, and I was like, so, like, did they keep the fences? And she's like, oh, yeah, I think they're in, like, the museum somewhere. Yeah. It, it's crazy. Oh, I'm like, that's insane. Yeah. Anyway, back to woo-woo bullshit. Um, it's been proposed that the cause of low-frequency background hums... Um, so, you know how, like, in the... There's, like... The... No, you know that, that island is a Christmas... I can't remember which island it is where they've, got, mine, they've got mining happening. Yeah. And the humming stopped in COVID... Because they all had to go home. Yeah. And then they were like, oh my God, the aliens have left us. People used to... It was because of the mines. Yeah. Right? And people 10 years ago were hypothesizing that it was because of harp. <laughs> Apparently, um, and this is not me promoting any kind of terrorist plot against any military site, um, but apparently two men from Georgia... Apparently got high, ah. <laughs> bundled themselves up in their car because they wanted to travel from the south into Canada and then into Alaska because they wanted to make carp not exist anymore <laughs> because they got high and found out about the conspiracies. <laughs> Conspiracies about harp, and they were like, "Holy shit! Now that we're on drugs, we're not being mind controlled anymore. We have to make this happen for everyone." So, um, they were arrested on drug charges. Obviously, they didn't make it anywhere near the Canadian border, but it is what it is. Um, they put the scary fucking thing is though. Um, the county sheriff said that they possessed a massive arsenal, including AR-15 rifles, Glocks, a Remington, and thousands of rounds of ammunition. Wow. Um, 
And they were told that God wanted them to go and blow the machine up that kept souls so souls could be released. If that's not the most terrifying thing you've ever heard, like imagine driving your kid to school on a Monday morning and then the car next to you is is just loaded with that shit. It's like essentially a car's driving around with a loadout screen for COD. Fuck. So... People from Stanford have come out and said that all this stuff is completely uninformed and there's absolutely nothing that anyone can do to disturb the Earth's weather systems. And that although the power that the facility radiates is large, it's minuscule compared to that of a lightning flash. And there are apparently 50 to 100 lightning flashes every second. Mm. Um, And compared to those flashes, the intensity that Harp is inducing into that band is very small. Um... Because from the get-go, Harp was mysterious and scientifically misinformed, that obviously is going to generate a lot of uh, conspiracies with the general population and the civilian population, and that would obviously overshadow everything that is being conducted by the scientific community. And um, Austin Baird, who was writing the Alaskan Dispatch, said... What makes Harp susceptible to conspiracy criticism is simple. The facility doesn't open its doors in the same way that other federally funded research facilities around the country, and it doesn't go into great efforts to explain the importance of its research to the public. And I would kind of semi-agree with that because as with some of the, I don't want to say quotes, but some of the statements that I've pulled off the website to discuss with you guys today where I've had to break them down into a more chewable, um, they hide behind their jargon is one thing that I found. And I don't know. I think that at some point, if you're funded by the people, you have to answer to the people. And I think the bottom line is it's like a kid coming up with excuses about the homework that they haven't done. And that's what they try and hide behind. So apparently they have an annual open house night in late August every year and allow tours of the complex. And there are a ton of other conspiracies that I'm not really going to go into too much detail, but I just want to quickly cover. Um, one, uh, they kind of, I tried to rank them in my favourite, like rank them in terms of my most favourite to the least, but they just get better and better. I don't know what to tell you. Um, Harp emits solar waves and they use that to control people's minds and they argue that this is what controls TVs. But it's not because that's a completely different wavelength altogether. And you can't emit solar waves unless you are a star True. as big as the sun. Which I am. And that's only after I have like 12 burritos and two large family pizzas. <laughs> um, people argue that these solar waves that are generated by Harp are what cause um, crop circles. Yeah. But, you know, that's only because when, you know, Mel Gibson and his um, six signs. Signs landed in the fields. That was the blast radius. Um, this, like everything else, has been tied to 5G. Many p- try to portray 5G's continuing the evil work of Harp. Apparently, every antenna and cell phone tower has something to do with Harp, even though we've already said they're completely different frequencies. Yeah. This one is my favourite. Um, the government uses Harp to target specific individuals like world leaders and celebrities uh-huh. to give them muscle aches, joint aches, High-pitched ringing inside their head, clicking in their head, and vibrations. So, um, you know Britney Spears' meltdown? Yeah. Harp <laughs> caused that. 
so that way it would take the focus of what um, Bush was doing at the time during the war. Oh my gosh. They've tied it to UFPs, um, <laughs> Unidentified Flag Phenomena, and um, they've claimed that HARP can create atmospheric vortexes where flying saucers may be flying in the sky to get them to travel here quicker, kind of like a porthole or a wormhole, right? Other conspiracy theorists say that HARP is an anti-UFO weapon designed to blast alien ships out of the sky and keep the world safe from extraterrestrial invasion. Now, for the religious people, <laughs> the, people in, <laughs> the people in the back, um, bullshit about extractive powers can be short. This is a quote I pulled off the internet. I yeah. thought it was fucking piss fast funny. Bullshit about its destructive powers can be shoehorned to fit any number of Bible quotations that make reference to God's wrath and the apocalypse. Harp has been described as a sign of the end of times and the wrath of God being poured out on God's wicked, rebellious people, or just part with the continuous onslaught of evil brought on by Lucifer, which, which only the true followers of Christ have the ability to resist. Harp can manifest all sorts of plagues and bad weather upon mankind. Lucifer, who was once an angel, and angels play harps. Harp has got to be the ultimate weapon of the Antichrist, and spelt with two A's to distinguish itself from the angelic harp. Jeez, imagine <laughs> if it was like an angelic drum set. Symbols. Symbols. <gasps> That's a good YA book series. It's a bit... TM, sim- trademark, trademark, trademark. If anyone gets that, I will sue you. And you know why? That way you can say oh, it's very symbolic. Oh, wait. That's already done. Uh, the this the model instrument series. What are we talking about? But do, at no point during that series do they talk about you know a drum set no. or a piano or a fire extinguisher. So apparently, to this day, there are still Air Force signs around Harp, and that's because the land that Harp sits on belongs to the United States Air Force. So while they no longer manage the facility, if you trespass they on the it, land. you're like bye bye, boom. The mechanism to transfer the land is through legislative action, specifically the National Defence Authorization Effect, or NDAAA. Uh, President Obama signed the fiscal year 2017 NDAA in December of 2016, and that authorised approximately 1,158 acres and associated fixtures to transfer to the University of Alaska. And the United States Air Force is currently working with the Army Corps of Engineers to complete the conveyance action. There are no military staff manning the facility anymore, and the research station is managed and operated by UAF in accordance with agreements outlined in the CRIDA. The managers of the facility said that the facility obviously cannot do the things that conspiracy theorists are saying that they do. Um, <laughs> so, oh, and another one. Uh, the facility doesn't create chemtrails. Chemtrails. Uh, the theory suggests, in part, the, the trails that form behind aircraft um, are pro- well, obviously produced from condensation from the exhausted jet engines, right? Yeah. But um, HARP doesn't produce water. It doesn't release. It's not beam me up, scotting anything else other than a no. radio frequency thing, so I don't know how... It's beaming up water. Can't even beam up a pizza. Like, you know. Devo. Devo. <sighs> the instrument obviously doesn't... Oh, sorry. The, the facility obviously doesn't instrument... Instrument. Operate. 
continuously. The last operations were completed on the twenty uh, between the twenty fifth and the twenty eighth of March two thousand and nineteen, and groups of scientists collaborate to conduct interactive ionospheric research. And typical research periods may be one to two weeks, um, and you can get up to four sessions in um, like so you can. Your lab can get one to two week sessions. Yeah. But you can get up to four sessions in any calendar year. Oh, there you go. Which is all like synchrotron here. Yeah. Um, so in answer to the woo-woo shit, the ionosphere is far above the troposphere and stratosphere, where Earth's weather actually happens. Um, and as for any other effects, HARP scientists state that the amount of energy that they're depositing into the ionosphere is far below the what is naturally occurring by the sun and deposited into that band by nature and any effects that they have quickly dissipate. Yeah. To me, those things, the radar, the arrays look like clotheslines. Yeah. So I think they look pretty cool. And um, I was doing some more research and I found out that this isn't the first of its kind. There's the Southern Hemisphere Aural Radar Experiment or SHARE that began in 1988 um, it's an Antarctic research project designed to observe velocities, <coughs> excuse me, and irregularities of electric fields in the ionosphere and um, magnetosphere. And it's jointly operated by the University of Natal, um, Potschiff Strum University, the British Antarctic Survey, and Johns Hopkins University. Uh, it's got a total of 16 antennas, each mounted on a 12 metre tower radiating on fixed frequencies in the 8 to 20 megahertz range and transmits a radio frequency pulse in the atmosphere every two minutes. There are three stations and they range, sorry, their range overlaps most of the continent of Antarctica. Um, and share is just the biggest of the three. Yeah. Um, and all three of them are called a super dual <laughs> <laughs> oral radar network or super darn. Um, I almost typed super duper when I was typing my notes, so super that's duper. why I laugh. Um, it, allegedly, that's how the Earth, well, especially us in the Southern Hemisphere, us being Victoria, you know, the lower part of Australia, yeah. that's how we get a lot of our data to check weather. Yeah. Um, and just for your interest, SuperDarn is an international scientific radar network consisting of 35 radars located in both the northern and southern hemispheres. So I want to establish that HARP ain't anything special. No, it's not. Stuff was built 20 years before HARP existed. Yeah, it's just spinning shit. It's just that HARP was the one that people heard about first. Yeah. Um, apparently, they have a lot of collaborative opportunities and investigators deploy diagnostic apparatus and stuff. And if you want to do that, if you're a lab, not that you'd be listening to us, but you can contact the HARP Ionospheric and Radio Science Laboratory at uaf-gi-harp at alaska.edu or by calling 907-474-1100. Um, if you're interested in visiting the site, the station does not employ sufficient on-site staff to allow routine tours, but they um, do it annually. They have an open house. And anyone is welcome to visit there. Again, don't know what's happening because of COVID, but it is what it is. Nice. Mm. But, um, In summary, the conspiracies are cool. They are. And also, but the government doesn't know what they're doing with it, let alone 
dumb civilians. Funny thing though. Yes. A movie was actually made, made back in 2017. Oh, what was it called? Geostorm. Oh! Have we Obama. heard of this? Yeah, we watched it. That's the one where they use the satellites and shit. We didn't watch it. We wanted to watch it. No, we actually watched it. it I sh- have no recall. Yeah, it was that bad. It was that bad. It was terrible. So, yeah. 5.3 out of 10 on IMBD. Yeah. 16% of Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it was shit. So, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no. So, very funny. <sighs> Some of the, you know. But, like, you look at the actual sensory array and it looks really cool. No, oh, I agree. Big ass paddock with a whole bunch of shit in it. You know, just all these little arrays. But, uh, you know, you definitely think something weird was going on. But, uh, you know, otherwise it'd be really good to hang your clothes up. Look, bottom line, it is a military facility. Yeah. They wouldn't be there unless, they unless there was something. There's something going on. They obviously set out to want to control people's minds. Yeah. To want to knock out satellites. Yeah. To want to do, you know, control radios and televisions. Yeah. But it's like saying you're going to make an egg omelette out of apples. Yeah. They operate on two, they have different wavelengths. You know what I mean? A microwave is not a Wi-Fi box. No. And the other thing too is as much as they say it runs, you know, sporadically, I guarantee you that thing runs constantly. Maybe when it was in military, they would have worked it in shifts like 10 years ago. Yeah. But now that it's public access, not so much. Very strange. Yeah. So there you go. So uh, all the harping on about, you know, musical notes, but just sound. Oh, yes. All the sounds. Oh, yes. Yes. So now to, you know, figure out another conspiracy regarding, you know. Yes. Like, uh, you know, spies like us. Good movie. (laughs) Although people say it's shit, you know. Um, If anyone has seen uh, Spies Like Us or wants to watch it, it's like from 1985. It's got 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb, 32% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 22% on Metacritic. I actually liked it just for what it was. It's got Chevy Chase and Dan Aykroyd out. Would you go to Hop? Yeah, I would. I'd go check it out. I'm trying to find... You can buy merch. They sell merch. (laughs) Um... They sell Area 49 black long sleeve shirts and t-shirts and slick and pint glasses um, and accessories and coins. All the coins. I'm trying to see if they have any like tour information with COVID, but I can't find anything. So it is what it is. It is what it is. What do they? Um, oh, uh, please anticipate possible shipping delays as we navigate COVID-19 dis- uh, restrictions. Weep, weep. Alrighty, anything else you want to talk about today? No, I'm all good. Okay. Um, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. We actually have a topic request form that you guys can go fill out and if there's something in particular you guys want us to cover, um, we will prioritise your topic. 
Excellent. We are also on Apple Podcasts, Castbox, Castro, Google Podcasts, Listen Notes, Luminary, Player FM, Podbean, Podchaser, Radio Public. You can subscribe via email. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, Switch, TuneIn, Overcast. <coughs> cough, cough. We are re-uploading a video format onto YouTube. We're also on Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at controllersandcounters at gmail.com. He's Full Metal Chicken. Yeah, I am. I'm Steph Afar. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great and safe um, week, and you shall hear from us on Thursday. Yes. So until then... Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. May the force be with you. Yes. And also with you. (laughs) And on that note, we be signing off. Bye-bye.